This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet, we will recap UFC 298, Volkanovski vs. Teporia, discuss what's new in MMA this week, and answer some questions in MMA after Saturday night's card. Last but not least, we will preview UFC Fight Night, Moreno vs. Rival 2. Here we go. Here we go. We are back after a huge pay-per-view, uh, some crazy upsets, and um, just a good card all in general. So UFC 298 in the books. We'll recap it all here in a minute, but before we do, we're going to start things off as we always do with our take of the week. So Ryan, as always, take us away. All right. Volk is not the heavyweight goat, or fe- heavyweight, <laughs> featherweight goat. goat. Yeah, I mean, Jose Aldo is the featherweight goat. Uh, it's a shame, really, that people don't even consider him as the GOAT anymore because so many MMA fans are new that they never got a chance to see his title run and how dominant he was and only know him as the guy that McGregor starts to win the belt. So I, I don't know. I think it's just a shame that he's like... I, I literally hear people say Volk, say maybe Holloway. He's not even considered, and and he was so dominant. Yeah, I think a big part of that, too, was where... He- wasn't a big part of his run in the WEC before UFC yeah, bought it? Yeah, but, I mean, a good part of it was in the UFC as well. And, I mean... He's like a pound-for-pound pound number one forever. Yeah, and then... Didn't lose for 10 years. Not many guys come back, go down a weight class, and have a title run, like, with the relative ease, like, as old as he was, too. Like, that's super impressive, and it only adds to his resume as well. Yeah. Uh, what was Volkanovski's run from 20, 2019 to 2024? Yeah, but he had, like... Three of them were Holloway, so it's not like he has like a whole lot of names on his record for title defenses. Yeah, what does he have? So he defended, and then like the Korean zombie fight was almost a, <laughs> almost a farce. Um, Brian Ortega, both Holloway and uh, Volkanovski beat the beat the brakes off him. Although Brian Ortega did almost finish <laughs> Volkanovski twice <laughs> in one fight. Um, yeah, I don't know where I don't know how I rank the featherweights. Like it's hard. I think it's hard to do. Um, obviously Volkanovski had a great run. Um, he's up there. I would say he's, I would say you can't really top argue three. To, yeah, top three. It's Volk, Holloway, or Aldo, but I just yeah. think it's, I think it's Aldo. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the optics for Aldo were just tough because right when all the casuals became fans, he got knocked out in 13 seconds. Yeah. So yeah, he beat Yair Rodriguez. These are title defenses. Yair Rodriguez, Max Holloway. That was the third one. Uh, Korean zombie, Brian Ortega, Max Holloway first defense, and then Max Holloway when he won the belt. Okay. So three guys not named Max Holloway. Yeah, well, and Korean Zombie, that was that a late replacement? Why did that fight even happen? I think it was just like they felt like they owed Korean Zombie or something. Yeah, that was a strange one. Um, yeah, uh, how many times did Holloway defend his belt? It seemed like he was – it seemed like he was – I mean, I think it's just in the moment people are always saying, like, whoever has the belt is the the – the weight division goat. Yeah, the most recent, it just seems like just everybody tends to flock to whoever was the most recent dominant champion. Uh, let's see here. He beat, won the interim, won in unified UFC, won an interim title versus Anthony Pettis, won in unified title against Jose Aldo, defended against Aldo, 
defended against Ortega, defended against Frankie Edgar. What the heck? Uh, yeah, and that Frankie Edgar fight, well, that was like similar to like the Korean zombie fight. Like they just threw a fight at him. And that's it. So one, two, three title defenses. How many did I all, guess? How many did I felt like have? he had way more. Seemed uh, like it, but it, uh, yeah, it did seem like it. Um, he went up and fought Dustin Poirier in the middle of it too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, Aldo. I think Aldo's biggest problem is he just came into the – he just started fighting so young. Like he, he's not even that much older than that, any of those guys. Okay, so in 2009, he won the WEC championship versus Mike Brown. Then he defended against Uriah Faber, WEC. Defended against Manny Gim, Burian, WEC. Um, defended against uh, Mark Hominick. That's his first UFC featherweight championship. Uh, then defended against Kenny Florian. Defended against Chad Mendez, Frankie Edgar, Korean Zombie, Ricardo Lamas, Chad Mendez. Wow, that's a big run. Nine. <laughs> yeah, that's a big run. Nine, that- including WEC, seven include if you just go UFC. Yeah, but I, I mean, there's no, there's no downside to including the WEC because the UFC didn't have those weight classes. Yeah, those were the best. Yeah, uh, at what that what that became the UFC. So it wasn't like it wasn't like he was down in Bellator defending belts. Yeah, so I mean, and that was from 2009 until losing in 2015. Yeah, I mean, I have to think about it. it definitely, there's definitely some like forgotten forgotten factors in there like just to hold the belt for that long and defend it that many times especially now with everything that can go wrong um yeah i mean like you said there's it's basically a three horse race between uh volk holloway or aldo but aldo's definitely getting the least credit for i mean people only remember this this second half of his career which actually was solid but it didn't live up to the first half of his career so then it almost, no. that almost looked like a failure too even though he did make it to a title shot yeah exactly even got some robberies on his along the way there, like fights that I thought he should have won that got taken from him. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I think Aldo we, is the JLT featherweight goat. Yeah, I mean his his he's already in the Hall of Fame, so I guess he, he has that going for him. But yeah, um, yeah. There, I think there's a couple guys you could go back and and say that for. So, yeah. Um, my take, I guess I'll move on to it. It's kind of in the similar thing, kind of just. I don't my I think I need to change and maybe everyone needs to change their strategy like betting the reigning champions is becoming very unprofitable. Yeah, I was I was so close to thinking Taporia by by fight night but I did not pull the trigger. Um my thing was with it it was either that was a fluke knockout at 155 because he didn't have the cardio and cardio affects your chin quite a bit and with a full camp it'll be just fine. Or that cracked his chin, and he's not going to be the same. And it turns out it looks like a cracked chin, and he might never be the same because up in age, 35, and it, look at it like this. These were not flash knockouts. These were both of them, the Makachev and against Poria on Saturday night. It was out for the count, I'm sleeping on the canvas yeah, knockouts. For you know? a long time. Yeah. So these are substantial knockouts, which worries me. Um, I think he needs to go like go the route that many others have done and even fought on this card. Robert Whitaker, he took a good amount of time off, maybe a year, and his chin looks like it's fully recovered after he ate that kick. I mean, <laughs> they get knocked out by DDP. But people act like Volk's chin is better than it was. He's, he was dropped in quite a few fights, but 
they were just flash knockdowns, right? He got right back up. Now when he's getting dropped, he's getting dropped. He's getting part, yeah. taken out, tucked yeah. into bed. He was sleeping. Yeah, he was definitely sleeping. But he got talked. Overall, though, like, what is this trend of, like, no one defends their – every time they try to defend their belt, they lose. Like, Yeah, I think we just have – I think we're in a, uh, like a, rock, a time paper, of scissors. turnover on the UFC roster from – top to bottom really it's just oh it's like a rock paper scissors scenario where like one guy can beat the other but he can't beat the other but he can beat but that guy can beat the yeah. other so we keep running into these like strickland out of sign situations where it's like that nobody defends the belt because somebody keeps winning somebody has the other one's number it's just like we were like if you think about like if you i have a picture of this that being said though i think Volkanovski can beat Taporia. I don't think he's unbeatable well, uh, for Volkanovski. I mean, he was about to be up two rounds on the judges' scorecards. All three judges gave him round one. He was fighting a great game plan. If his chin wasn't compromised, I think he wins a somewhat, I mean, a hard-fought decision, but I think on the cards it would be pretty overwhelmingly to Volk. So I think he's there. It's just he has to fix the chin. He can't rush into the next one. Did you think that, I guess this is kind of going to our recap, but did you think that it looked like if Taporia was actually getting frustrated? In the- At times, yeah. He, uh, I mean, when uh, in the second round, when Volk really got his jab going and was just touching up Taporia's nose left and right, he, he, yeah, was, he was getting frustrated. He was starting to bust him up pretty good. Like, yeah. Taporia had a lot of damage on his face at the end of the fight. One thing Taporia does really well that I noticed is cutting off the cage and getting guys backs against that fence and then unleashing combinations. He, because... Yeah, his, his, in that second round, he really started to matador, I guess, and you get you could call him Spain guy, but uh, matador Volkanovski, and by cutting off the cage, just working him slowly back, not letting him circle out, and Volk was trying, and he was having more success at kind of pinning him up against the cage, and when he got him there, he finished him. So, yeah, and the I think the I think the level of uh, Taporia's combos, he doesn't throw two punch combos, he throws like six punch combos. Yeah, but he. He throws volume, but he doesn't throw enough. That's why Volk was going to be able to outpoint him on the scorecards. Uh, but when he does get you in that spot against the cage, he unleashes. He's done that to everybody, too. And, and I heard Volkanovski talk about saying, like, we knew to stay away from the cage with him. And he said, my mistake was trying to throw a counter when I was up against the fence instead of just d- ducking out of there. Getting out of there, yeah. But, man, what do you think happens if they fight again at this point? I, if it's in three or four months, I think Taporia knocks him out again. If it's in... A year and i can get plus 250 odds i think i might go with at that his chin could still be cracked in a year don't get me wrong but giving it the time to recover um i at those odds i think that would be a value take yeah i mean i always say like yeah the 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 proven guys the guys that have been around for the longest the guys that have you know like volkanovsky was such a good game planner to this point too like not just super sharp fighter but always a good game planner and and he seemed it was working. He was winning, it wasn't. yeah. And I thought it looked like at times Taporia was getting really frustrated. Like he was starting to reach more, but I mean, maybe he was just in that zone where he hadn't given up yet. But he also was getting frustrated enough to start taking chances, and he caught him at that perfect time for sure. Because he, he, I think he clipped him a little bit before he landed that super square one. But that combo is just like he unleashes those combos, and he's done it to everybody against the. It's always against the cage, except for Ryan Hall. I think that one was just on the ground with Ryan Hall just yeah. laying there, but like. He knocked out that Jack, Damon Jackson, uh, Jai Herbert, all those guys. He gets them up against the cage, and then he just – I mean, those – Yeah, nowhere to go. Just got to eat the punches. Those They come from all different angles, too. Yeah. But, yeah, he's I mean – He's Yeah, he's, he's the real deal. Um, 
yeah, I just think that he's got a he's going to be tough to beat, regard no matter who it is, oh, whether it's Volk sure. or not. So, um, co-main event: Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa. Uh, we are on Whitaker, definitely the smarter fighter, definitely the more skilled fighter. But I thought Costa made some big steps in this fight. Like he looked, I thought Costa looked good. It's he just, looked the best he's looked as far as like a a game plan and like strategically. I don't know, was it a split decision or was it just two rounds to one? I think it was two rounds. I think one of the judges gave all three rounds to... Oh, I think there was a 30-27. Uh, yeah, to Whitaker, and two of the judges gave him two. So, um, I mean, Costa, great fighter, not elite. Yeah, I mean, he just doesn't. He's just he, a brute. I think he he's could a be elite, though. He's a brawler. You know, he's just very... He's so dang big, dude. That advantage of his size, like, he looked like he was twice Whitaker's size out there. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something in his way from becoming elite that's just... He's, He's got all the tools, right? There's just something he, he's missing. Something, and I think, I think it's, it's something he could fix. Like, I think it has something to do with the power. The power, like he must just not land super cleanly, or he must telegraph or something. Because you know, not he's those strong. kicks. Those kicks come out of nowhere. His kicks are fast. I think he should throw more kicks. Yeah, they're dude. You don't even. He doesn't hint at it. You know, some guys you can tell they're about to throw a kick. Yeah, it just comes. Are, he's just standing in a boxing stance, and next thing you know, head kick. Yeah, his kicks are lightning fast, and he has. His legs are reasonable length. His arms are T-Rex arms. It could just be a lack of focus and concentration. We've seen it with the guy, and it might be that's the thing that's keeping him from, you know, making him really good instead of great. So Yeah. Because I mean, he has all the tools, He landed like. the spin kick, what, 10 seconds earlier? He had a chance of a... Uh, I don't know, because Robert Whitaker seemed recovered pretty quick. He like, fired back right away. Yeah, I think Whitaker could have got, even at a minute, I think Whitaker might dig deep and pull it out. Yeah, Robert Whitaker looked good, though. Yeah, he did. He looked sharp as ever. If there was any question about him after he got steamrolled by Dreykus, like, he looked like he's... I wouldn't, I wouldn't question him again. Like, I was questioning him in this fight because he's laid an egg a couple times. He looked really bad in the first Izzy fight, like, and then he looked really bad in the Dreykus fight. There's a couple times where he's come out and, like, not... Like, almost looked like he, the moment was too big for him. He looked good in this fight. Yeah, I like I liked Whitaker just in kind of some of the same reasons that I liked Izzy so much against Costa. It, just that... Whitaker, pretty precise, going to be a smart game plan, um, and, and tough as nails. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think both guys have a will have good matchups coming up. So um, yeah. Speaking of guys we don't like, uh, Jeff Neal versus Ian Gary. Uh, this fight it ended up being a split decision, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't know what that judge was doing. <laughs> yeah. He must he must hate Gary as much as the fans. <laughs> yeah, he must have the muscle at the crowd jump. Uh, yeah, Gary definitely the more skilled fighter. I don't know what, this was Jeff Neal's fight to lose kind of because he was just trying to clench up anytime he threw, he threw one punch and try to clench up. I think he was scared of the elbows and like the, the knees, he, whenever he gets yeah. those knees were devastating. I mean, Ian Gary, he's a dangerous guy to fight. So you, I can't blame, uh, can't blame Jeff Neal there for, for his game plan. I thought it was all right. It's just, man, you got to get like with the reach disadvantage that Jeff Neal's at, he just has to run in with his head down and try to land something like yeah. Gary. You could talk all the shit about him. He has the skills. Like he has that length that he's able to use those kicks to keep guys on the outside. He has great lateral side to side movement to be able to just get away from his opponent. So he can't get walked down into the cage. Like Jeff Neal needed to get him up against the cage and throw the punches like Taporia does, you know, but mm-hmm. he's able to circle out so quickly. It's uh, he is a very skilled fighter. Um, we still haven't, I mean, Neal landed some good shots. Not great. Uh, Gary was always moving back. So it, he never caught him with something that Gary didn't see coming, which 
is kind of what you need to get the knockout, I think. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Ian Gary does enough in these fights to win every fight. Like, I mean, the third round, though, for Ian Gary, it was a bad look. Like, he ran away, like, just used his side-to-side movement to just stay away I mean, from Jeff Neal the, almost the entire round. He had the same thing where he, he refused to put away or try to put away Neil Magdi on one leg. And, like, he has the same thing where he does enough to win these fights. And I, it would take, like, a tremendously bad judge or crew of judges to take to steal a fight from him. But, yeah, I think he's had a bad look in a couple fights now. Like, his last round is generally his least least impressive yeah for sure he coast which i don't like to see yeah so hopefully jeff neal's not the guy to take his head off uh, he moves up and we're gonna keep saying that until he fights for the title right <laughs> so yeah all right marab versus henry cejudo triple c looked decent in his return for about what three and a half minutes uh yeah yeah just about he rocked him he rocked him with a nice uppercut um, but we've seen Marab get wobbled, and he just walk, well, keeps walking through it. Almost the key to beating Marab is just to not rock him, because it seems like once everyone rocks him, and that's when he wakes up and just... Turns into the Terminator, dude. Dude, I mean, to do what he did to Cejudo, just whip him around like a ragdoll, pick him up, throw him around. It's impressive. It's crazy. I mean, I'm not, I was a Marab doubter for the longest time, and now I just refuse to doubt him. Yeah, you can't. I mean... To be able to do that against uh, as elite of a wrestler as Henry Cejudo. And like, like a good game planner. Yeah. Excellent game planner. Cejudo's an excellent game planner. Where he's got, past his prime. That he is, he's older, yeah. yeah. I, and I think it shows. But, um, yeah, Marab, I, I, I want to see him versus O'Malley. I think O'Malley has some interesting things that he can do that, may, that, that makes him maybe able to beat Marab. Like, Marab is going to be so much smaller in there versus O'Malley. You know, like he's going to have to get through past a lot of distance in order to get him up against the cage and do what he does, you know? And you like, might not be able to get rocked once. Like one rock, getting rocked once might be too many. I yeah, guess. exactly. I mean, O'Malley. O'Malley's going to be able to keep him to the outside with the kicks. The pun- Like he has long arms, the punches. I mean, I don't think it's as bad of a fight for O'Malley as so many other people seem to think it is. Yeah, I mean, I would have been the other way with it f- for... Before, I mean, I just, yeah. It's, it's hard to say now. Um Marab, Marab is just like he's just he's on an, another level with cardio and like his wrestling like I, I used to doubt him just because he everyone he took down would get back up but then he takes him down again now he's just he's done it to everybody like he I mean most of the fight with Peter Jan was standing and he dominated that fight too so right I mean I don't think O'Malley gets enough praise from like the MMA hardcore audience that think he was just gifted this by Dana White in the Snoop cast in the contender series <laughs> performance like He's obviously made drastically huge improvements. He's, well, he's made the really most of his opportunities, fighter. too. Yeah, like, yeah, you can say he was given opportunities that other guys wouldn't have been because of how he came out, but he's lived up to them almost every time. So, Yeah, he's made the most of he's made the most opportunities he's given. He could have easily – I mean, the Peter Yan decision was really, really close. Um, could have gone either way, but, like, he still had to go out there and then beat Aljamain Sterling, who – Yeah. He, and his takedown defense against Aljamain was really, really good. Right. He made Aljo, who was – one of the, you know, I don't know how many defenses he had, but he seemed like a, t- like he seemed like he was rightfully the champion. He made him look bad, for sure. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think uh, Marab versus uh, versus uh, O'Malley's the fight to make. Um, Fluffy Hernandez versus Roman Kapilov. We were man, this we Fluffy Hernandez shot. is a lot better than I give him credit for. <laughs> yeah, I think he might be. He, I think we remember him looking really bad against. Uh, uh, um, why am I Kevin Holland? He looked yeah. really bad against Kevin Holland. He didn't look great against like that. Even that time he beat Adolfo Vieira, 
he was kind of getting beat up until Vieira gas. Yeah. So it's like you get a guy that's kind of like solid everywhere and not going to gas, but he uh, he pretty pretty much dominated Kapilov. Yeah, our guy Kapilov. Back to the drawing board. I, I mean, I still like him, but uh, I, I get I was underrating her, Anthony Hernandez. He, he we'll have to stop doing that. We'll give him credit. We'll just say he improved a lot, so that way none of us have to admit we were wrong. Yeah. All right, Amanda Lamos, Mackenzie Dern. Uh, Mackenzie Dern still is very, very tough. Zuckerberg was in attendance for her, suspiciously enough. Yeah. Um, and she took a beating, um, but still, like, uh, finished the fight, I guess. But Lamos definitely was a better stand-up striker. Yeah, I mean, Mackenzie Dern had her moments. There's a few times she had her in some chokes and whatnot. But she La- really doesn't give up. Like, she, she's tough. Well, she can get <laughs> she gets slaughtered t- and then still be, still be coming forward, so... Um, that eye was nasty. Yeah, she's a tank. She doesn't wear damage well either, so she starts getting beat up and looking beat up pretty quick. And uh, Lamos, just good, uh, good performance by her. She was able to survive in the tough spots and then take advantage of the spots in the feet. Uh, I thought that fight almost could have been stopped in the second round there when Lamos knocked her down. Oh man! But like exploded her eye. Yeah, that it was like twice knocked her down. She got up, and then it was almost a delayed knockdown. Like she got hit twice, and then she was like kind of and raised her hands up and fell backwards it was kind of sick and then yeah but she kept fighting she's tough as nails you can't take that away from her no question about that and then andrea lee met miranda maverick this was a uh, miranda maverick won by decision right yeah okay. I, I was out and about on this yeah, one. I, I, this fight. I saw the decision so yeah that was uh what was this 298 yeah, yeah. what do you think of zuckerberg in uh volkanovsky's corner was that a bad omen yeah yeah i had i got that on the i think as soon as i saw that i got worried um I mean, what are you doing? Let's take you're going against a guy who looked so in the zone the entire walkout. And as soon as he got in the cage and he was there to do nothing but become the champion. And you're out walking out with Zuckerberg, having a good time. Like, I get it. He he likes to come in loose, but you have to take it more serious than that when you're going against a guy that wants it that much. Yeah, I mean Zuck was just looking goofy and uncomfortable in that Dude. corner. He brought a strange vibe to the whole to the whole show. Very awkward. Like when they started passing the uh, like the towel yeah, and the equipment, to- he kept trying to grab it. He's like, oh, and they would like pass him by, and then he'd like kind of get a hand on it while it got passed. It was yeah, like after he wasn't needed for the first passing, like he probably should have just put his hands yeah, down. He tried to dap up Volkanovski too early. <laughs> it wasn't his turn, and then like one or two people went before him, and then he got to do it. It was yeah. He was he looked like a fish out of water there, but I mean, I guess. It's probably uh, probably good for MMA to have the Zuck yeah, involved. Yeah, take it easy on Zuck. All the memes being made about him. He's he's an MMA fan. He just got into it. I mean, he has unlimited money. Act like any of you MMA nerds out there wouldn't have loved to do the same thing if you had the chance. <laughs> yeah, he's basically just buy, buying himself experiences. Yeah, that we I wonder if he gave like Volk like a million dollars to let him in his corner. Yeah, I don't know. Or D, or Dana's like told pulled Volk aside. He's like, hey, Zuck's walking out with you. He's, yeah, he's giving Appar- us a bunch no, of money. No, apparently Volk. Might have been his idea, even. Well, Volk and Adesanya, like, hung out with Zuckerberg for, like, a while. Like, they all went surfing or something. Yeah, I thought he was... I thought Zuckerberg was Volk's jiu-jitsu coach for a second. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Volk... I thought Zuckerberg was injured still, but he must be back. Oh, he's he's fight ready. All right. He's Bangkok ready. He's doing a, he's doing a walkout to see, just to see what it's like. Yeah, get, yeah before his own. Yeah. He, I, I don't know. I hope we get to see him step into the octagon at some point. Just compete somehow? In yeah, like a not I, I don't care if it's against Elon Musk or something. I, I want to see him make the walk, be awkwardly fidgeting around the cage while his name is being announced, 
go to dap up buffer buffer miss it he misses the the dap when he says his name like oh it would just be <laughs> he's so goofy dude he's the goofiest looking guy yeah it'd but, be must watch just for the awkwardness had to be tough to watch though uh i get secondhand cringe for the guy it was bad yeah and it had to be tough for him to watch as like your new best friend who let you walk out to the octagon with him gets like flatlined like right just totally asleep like yeah where were you zuck you could have used some advice <laughs> yeah so Anyways, it was a solid event. It was in Anaheim. I always get whenever they're in Anaheim, I always get them mixed up with Las Vegas. But this was uh, at the Honda Center, I believe. And uh, yep, solid event. Seemed like a solid crowd. Um, yeah, no complaints there. So uh, I think that um, you know the biggest buzzkill on the whole card that people were complaining about was the UFC 300 event getting getting released. So we'll kind of guess we can jump into that first and foremost um, for our news. Thoughts on the UFC 300 card? I'll do mine first just because I I think Pereira versus Jamal Hill is actually an insanely good fight based on two things. Number one, two, go- two good strikers, probably going to end in a knockout. Number two, in fairness to Jamal Hill, he never lost the belt. Like, he has every bit yeah. of – he can claim, like, hey, I'm the real, like, lineal, like, undisputed champion. I never lost the belt. I got hurt. And they fought for, like, my backup belt, basically. Like – so I think that's a great fight. It's just for some reason, Jamal Hill is just not caught on with casual fans. He's just not very well known. I mean, he kind of was in the dark up to the title run. He got the title and then had to give it up immediately. He's just not, but he's, he, he's, he's just not a household name by any means. But his run is impressive. Like if you look at his resume, he has all his fights were either fight of the night or performance of the night. I think he's a guy that the UFC never pushed at all whatsoever. He was, so he yeah. kind of got there silently and... There's never been any buildup from the promotion behind him, so I, I think I think everybody everybody just thought he was eventually going to fail, yeah, or get exposed, and it just hasn't really happened. The only one time he lost was to Paul Craig when yeah, he stupidly I'm, chased him to the ground. I liked the main event. I, I wanted Pereira to be in the main event. This wasn't the matchup. I, my favorite would have been Tom Aspinall for Pereira going for third belt, but um, I I'm, I don't hate it. I'm not hating on it. It's it's a nice. Nice card we got here. It's Dana's own fault for being like, you guys are never going to believe what I'm putting together. He hyped it up way too much. It was supposed to be Leon versus Kamzat. Kamzat cannot get into the United States, apparently. So I don't know how how you ever make him champion. Give him a title (laughs) fight. Can you have a title, like, you know, that can never fight? He can fight once a year when they go to Abu Dhabi or something? Ah, yeah, I don't know. Like, you hang out with terrorists, man, and and you get banned (laughs) from the United States. I'm assuming that's what it is. I mean, I don't know what it is they haven't said, but. You know, when you're with that that Chechen dictator, twenty four seven, cried off or whatever. Yeah, it's probably not a good look. Yeah, um, yeah. So they had three fights. They offered all Muslim guys who were all turned it down because of Ramadan. They offered uh, Islam Makachev the main event against Leon Edwards too. Yeah. So yeah, it was Makachev, um, Shavkat, Shavkat, and uh, Kamzat were the three offers. No, notably, one name left off that list: <laughs> Bilal Muhammad. And I mean. You got to give Dana credit for that, man. He's Sticking like... to his guns. That he, yeah. I can't let Bilal so this. So Bilal was never even the last option. This probably was. Jamal Hill versus Alex Pereira. Yeah. You know, like... Well, he said... Jamal Hill said he found out, like, the day before the event. Yeah. It was supposed... Apparently, Ariel Hawani said it was going to be... This was supposed to be the title fight for 301 in Brazil. Mm. So it was kind of already made, but yeah. for 301. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Hill is coming back off the torn Achilles, too. Yeah, it's just not the insane insanity that Dana hyped up. But no. we got a top-to-bottom insane fights and a title fight that should live up to the, like, 
I mean, the Col- hype, regardless if people don't know who Jamal Hill is. What about this situation? I'm, I'm still undecided, but this is kind of something like I've been back and forth. What if they just made the BMF belt the main event and then Pereira versus uh, Hill the co-main event? Like, nah. But, like, don't you think, like, if you're looking at a card and take titles out of it, wouldn't you want a Gaethje main event, like Gaethje versus Holloway main event? Maybe. I don't I think Pereira is such an absolute savage that this is, like, a great spot to headline well, him or Jamal Hill if he wins. Like, And the fight has – I think it's going to be a great fight. Like, I think people are just sleeping on Jamal Hill. Like, he – yeah, the fight is going to end with a knockout. It's not like people are going to pay for the pay per view and not watch the main event. You That's know? true. So I just I, I was wondering if it if it screws up the flow of the card. Like if everyone's going to get so amped up for Gaethje versus Holloway that they're going to be like it's going to be a letdown. Only problem with the flow will be that maybe I think they should flip the co-main and main then, or co-main and and the BMF. BMF should be the co-main because this is what could interrupt the flow. Banger at the BMF with Holloway and Gaethje, women's fight snooze fast mm-hmm. then main event come back to exciting you know like yeah. put the last two banger banger yeah yeah i could see that um yeah but regardless you're right it's this is a it's a solid card top to bottom oh yeah i'm not disappointed i mean a, slightly but then slightly when i first heard it i'm like uh well, but then i'm s- like all right we're gonna watch every a- single fight especially for us who have like pretty much know what's it where most people know what's going on with all these fights like to be like you'll never believe what i came up with like you start imagining some crazy stuff yeah right but you can't do that when when like you end up just doing like a not so crazy yeah i went to ufc 200 so maybe i'll make it to 300 ufc 200 alum i got commemorative ticket at home who is the main event um amanda nunez versus um versus misha tate really yeah and but so this is the thing with 200. Jones versus DC was supposed to headline. Oh, that yeah. That fell apart right the week of the fight. So they moved that up because it was a title fight. And then they got um, Brock Lesnar versus Mark Hunt. And then they did they kept DC in there versus Anderson Silva. Yeah. They and, fought the, was that one on the yellow canvas? Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be gold, but it looked way more yellow than gold. Yeah, I remember that one now. Yeah, that was... That was Aldo a wild beat Frankie Edgar to get the uh, to get the 145 belt again. I think. Oh yeah. So maybe he does have one more. That might be ten then. Wow. Or was that an interim? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. What year was that? Because Connor gave up the belt. They fought for it. Aldo versus Edgar at 300. Yeah. What what uh what year was that? 2016. 20. Yeah, probably. That's how Ariel got banned from. Ariel's yeah. officially been banned for 100 events. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he's kind of not banned anymore, I think. But, but it'd be funny to be like, happy 100th, ban- yeah. 100th banned event. I mean, he's pretty much banned. Like, I don't think he's, like, very welcome, but, like, he could go if he wants. But it's not like they're reaching out to him by any means. Yeah, he was dropping scoops about 300, so he's not shy about it. Um, but he refrained from ever, like, dropping an official scoop. yeah he didn't he didn't weasel he didn't pull a weasel move this time so yeah i mean they've already banned you just fucking do it now you know yeah he's now's like, your time he's got he's he's become a, a bad boy for every other part of the uh, yeah LMA, he, i so. mean he's probably got friends that work at the ufc besides dana and stuff oh, so. i bet everyone probably yeah i bet a lot of people don't mind him so um yeah speaking of events though you pfl versus bellator card on friday the first is this the first P, who was doing first who was doing ryzen one versus ryzen maybe yeah, or no, there was Ryzen versus Bellator. Ryzen versus Bellator. Now we got PFL versus Bellator, which is one company now. But honestly, not a horrible card. Um, yeah, it's pretty 
it's pretty stacked. Well, as stacked as a PFL Bellator card can be. You got main event is heavyweight champion versus champion bout. Uh, Renan Fiera versus Ryan Bader. Impic Sagane versus Johnny Eblen is the co-main, I guess, both champs. Uh, then you got a welterweight champ, Magomed Makrodinov versus Jason Jackson. Featherweight fight, um, Jesus Pinedo versus Patricio Pitbull. Um, heavyweight showcase fight, uh, Bruno Kepeloza versus Vadim Nemkov. Uh, light heavyweight, Tiago Santos versus Yoel Romero. Wow. And Clay Collard versus AJ McKee. That's, that's the main card. I'm, I'm going to watch that main card. That's a good main card. Yeah. And then you got, even on the prelims, you have Gabriel Braga versus Aaron Pico. Uh, Biagio, Ali Walsh versus Chris Morris. I'm not sure. That. And then you got Clarissa Shields versus Kelsey DeSantis. Um, wow. Yeah. What's I'm going to tune in on Friday. Aaron Pico is still a prelim fighter, for, even for Bellator? Oh, he, he's, a, he's a bust. He's busted a- prospect. Poss- I mean, possibly the biggest bust of all time. The way they get, the way they built him up. Oh yeah, he doesn't have a chin. He can't. He doesn't. He does not. And he got submitted in his first fight by some nobody. And then he. he you can't be an elite MMA professional MMA fighter at the highest level without, in like a one percentile chin. You know. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like he has uh, allegedly has all the other tools. Like because the only reason he was so highly because he was like a. He was like a Golden Gloves winner and a like wrestling champion. So like both of those things at the same time. Like he was one of the first people we've seen who's like was training boxing and wrestling since like birth. Yeah. So he was like really highly touted. And yeah, talk about in yeah. four ounce gloves, you have to be able to take a punch. Otherwise, like you're so severely limited. You could be the best amateur fighter or the best like uh, LFA or whatever or cage warrior or something. But when you get to that UFC level or be- upper ends of Bellator, not even upper ends. You, like, you, you got to have a chin. You're going to take punches. I bet Bellator paid him a lot of money, too, because, man, he's he's been around forever to still be on the prelims, and but, oh, well. I mean, um, he's gone on some runs here and there, but. Yeah, hey, I forget about him for a while, and they come back. I just remember his debut was so highly touted, and then he got submitted in like, the yeah. first 20 seconds. Um, Nemkov fighting. He, he was the Bellator champion for a while. Looks like he's a big favorite. So, And then we got Silva and uh, Tiago Silva and Yoel Romero as a little throwback. It wouldn't be a Bellator card without two UFC legends fighting each other. Yeah, exactly. So they had to do that. Um, yeah, Robert Whitaker and Paul Costa not getting fight tonight. I did not. I assumed that they got it. I did not realize that until yeah. I was talking to somebody else and they said, I can't believe they didn't get fight tonight. I'm like, they didn't? Like, wow. Yeah. Um, Lamos versus Mackenzie Dern. I mean, that was a good fight, but it was, like, it was a good fight, but like Costa versus Whitaker was great. Like yeah. from s- start to also ending. more competitive. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing fight. It was leagues better than, than, um, than Mackenzie Dern and Amanda Lamos. So I think that's a straight up, that's a robbery. If you want to say yeah. any fights a robbery, it's the, them not getting fight of the night. Yeah, that is surprising. Although I do think Costa and, uh, Whitaker got paid pretty well for their, yeah, I'm sure. Slot, so, but yeah, that sucks. They didn't get fight tonight. Um, Vanderlei getting into the UFC Hall of Fame. I did not know what kind of standing he was on with the UFC. Apparently, around a lot. Yeah, well, not, it wasn't good for a while. So one of the reporters in the post-fight press conference with Dana, they said back in 2000, whatever, and they read 
word for word a statement from Daniel. It's like, Wanderlei, Vanderlei Silva will never be in the UFC Hall of Fame. Like, he is done to us. Or he's I was dead surprised to, us. to see that he was... <laughs> I was surprised when they started running the graphic for him. He's a, he deserves it. He's a legend. Yeah, Axe sure. murder. We love nicknames, and that's about as, as good as it gets. Top-notch. Plus, he was just a brawler fight. Like, he was just... Wild fighter. Yeah. Some wild fights. He was just a go out there and try to kill him. Yeah, no, I'm a, it's all good to have him in there. Um, yeah, Dana should of credit to whoever put him in there because really one grudge with Dana White should not keep you out of the UFC Hall of Fame if you yeah. deserve to be in. Well, Dana Day's credit said, well, I completely forgot about that, so it's pretty good <laughs> I forgot about it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be in. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about Bisping after the broadcast? Did you see the clip? I saw the clip accused of making a homophobic slur. I thought it was going to be a lot worse. No, he just he just said I sounded gay or something for what did he say? That was gay. He said he said, he said something that about, sounded gay or something. He yeah. said something, something about he, a guy. He said something like and it didn't even sound that gay. And then he just was saying gay like it. It's not like he used it towards a gay person, to my knowledge, at least or no, anything no, like no, that. No. Like I think I think as a, I mean I'm not really one to speak on this, but I think as a society we're past like the instant canceling people for. Yeah, for just like a clear, I, di- I didn't think it was hateful by yeah. any means. It was just like I will say this though: a lot of people say "gay" as in like you know it's gay, like not like well, hateful. If what he said sounded like something gay, like something gay, then that's not a big deal. Um, he is a little bit of a social justice warrior online though, so if he did get himself in trouble, he kind of just fed himself. He deserves to the it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. like a but, taste of his own medicine kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, context is everything. And Also, under the UFC's umbrella, you can pretty much get away with anything. We just came off Sean Strickland saying much crazier stuff. Yeah, right. So, I don't think his job's in jeopardy, but I mean, Bisbing, in the future, a piece of advice, just avoid using the word gay while you're live on air. Or any Bisping, just other. in general, just take this as advice to just shut up more often than not. Yeah. Like, just as j- overarching advice, just talk less. Yeah, exactly. Say, say less. Sometimes the best words are, are no words at all. Yeah, just say less, all right? So that would actually be great advice for him in a lot of different fields. So. For sure. So anyhow. So we're going to move on to the yeah. new segment here, JLT questions. So trying something new, so, so bear with us. All right. Yeah, these were all submitted by users. Uh, you want me listeners. to read them or you want to alter off? Or? Um, yeah, I can, I'll read off the first one because um, I feel like you're probably more qualified to answer it. So who does uh, Taporia fight next? Does he do the immediate rematch, or do you think he goes out and uh, pick somebody up, uh, pick somebody else up? Well, he's not getting what he wants, which is Conor McGregor, right? So yeah. who does Taporia fight next? Um, we got to look at it like this: Holloway would be an obvious answer. He's scheduled to fight Gaethje. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think losing to Gaethje here shouldn't rule him out of getting a shot at a title, but I don't think it'll be him. Uh, next up, we have a big fight this weekend that could decide who will be challenging him. Yair Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega. If Yair Rodriguez wins in spectacular fashion versus Brian Ortega, that's the fight to make. Make yeah. it happen. Yair Rodriguez, both Spanish-speaking. Um, yeah, Mexico versus Spain. Yeah, it would be. I think that's a sick fight in Spain. That would be insane. Um, Volk wants the immediate rematch. I, I want him to get the rematch. I don't want it to be immediate as he's the first person to fight Taporia next. I think he should get the rematch when he's ready in about a year. So let let Taporia go and fight Yair Rodriguez or someone else and then fight Taporia after that. He's still the champion. Okay. Can we both agree on one thing? Brian Ortega, if he wins, that would be a bad fight for him. Like I think Taporia would take his head off. Yeah. Oh yeah. We've uh, seen for Volk sure. and Holloway just absolutely dismantle 
Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega is still ranked like number third, by the way. Like he's Brian never- Ortega has the worst defense in UFC <laughs> history, it seems like. And Taporia hits harder than both Holloway and Volkanovski. Like the problem with Volkanovski and Holloway is neither of them could put him away, so they just landed like 600 strikes on his head. Yeah, we haven't seen much from Ortega though. Like remember he came out versus, but it was against Korean Zombie, I think, when he looked like a pro oh, kickboxer, like world beater. Yeah, yeah. We, but somehow he's remained like ranked like three for like the last five years. He never fights. Yeah, and he, I guess he did pop his shoulder, but he got beat so bad. He got, I mean, he had his moments against Volkanovski, but he got beat up so bad by Holloway. And for the rest of the, for the, rest of the Volkanovski fight, man, he, it just seems like when he gets put in that title fight position, he just he blocks everything with his forehead. Yeah, for sure. So I think Yair Rodriguez providing he beats Brian Ortega is, is next for Taporia. All right. Um, Ian Gary's... You got a take? What do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I think Yair Rodriguez is a great fight. Um I think that people forget that Taporia does have world-class jiu-jitsu, but I think uh, Yair's ground game has improved a ton. Also, I could see those guys kick slugging up. Uh, Yair, or Taporia and Volkanovski both have the same weakness, which is head kicks. That's the only way we've seen Taporia get rocked over the years, um, and it's happened multiple times. Yair's a tough guy to be fighting if you are susceptible to a head kick and you're, short, oh, and you're way shorter than him. Yeah. So I think that... I think that that fight is interesting and intriguing. Um, I think Yair, too, is just, like, the right matchup away from being the champion, too. Definitely. And we don't know that much. Like, Taporia is only 15-0 and 0 now. Like, a race, eight or nine of those fights because they were regional, and he's only had – he's never really been tested. He just seems so well-rounded. He does. He does. And he just seems like – he just – yeah. he That rare combination of just, like – being superly powerful where you can put a guy's lights out or you can submit him like it's just I, I think max holloway against Taporia would be a good fight because holloway has so much volume and Taporia just doesn't have enough volume but i think Taporia is gonna land on holloway and I, he could be the first to knock him out ever like holloway lets himself open and what, if he, and what if he fights him right after he fights gaichi like yeah he leaves himself open to tons of bombs so I mean, that would be a sick fight. You had volume, volume versus power. But, um, I mean, if Holloway could last the entire five rounds, he could win that on a decision. Well, what do you think happens when somebody is able to shut down Taporia for, say, three rounds? All of a sudden, he might just... Go hang, for broke. Or hang it up. Like, he might just gas himself out, like, going for broke. Or he might just kind of turn it in, like, wow, I'm just getting my ass kicked. Like, that's kind yeah. of what Holloway does to people. That's what he did to, like, like what it, maybe Calvin Cater's not really championship caliber, but, like, after a certain point, like, you're just not going to be able to. And Taporia here, he's he's one of those guys that got fast twitch muscle, right? The guys that can make insanely quick movements and, and pu- throw punches like that. Yeah. But, you know, those guys, I don't think I've ever seen somebody, a fast twitch muscle guy, maintain that completely over five rounds. It always starts to slow down around th- – around round three and then that means in the championship rounds he just could be kind of an average fighter in four and five if he loses that and you don't have to lose it much you can still be hitting hard and whatnot but when you lose that instant explosiveness just you know it i don't know have you do you can you think of a guy that can well, fast twitch muscle guy that there, did we, it over five rounds we have an example of it because he fought josh emmett for that i think all five rounds and emmett had his best rounds later in the fight yeah but he didn't throw a lot i think that's why he kind of maybe that is the reason that he doesn't throw a ton of volume because he's saving it for later in the rounds. Yeah, I mean, just carrying knockout power in general is just very, very rare. There's not, it's just not very common unless you're like a tactician, like like an Izzy Adesanya or something. Like 
carrying that power laid, laid into a fight. Like, like you said, like the fast switch muscle and explosiveness, like once your muscles start filling with lactic acid, you lose a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if somebody could put him to the brink too, like if somebody can break him early in a fight, like just, I mean, who's to say that Volkanovsky wasn't say six minutes away from breaking him. Yeah. I mean, if Volk gets midway through the third round, Taporia loses a little bit of explosiveness. He could be well on his way to a five-round decision. Yeah, and just to say he doesn't start trying to shoot takedowns, and those don't work, and then he's tired from trying to shoot takedowns. Yeah. And then he tries to hold him up against the cage for a minute and a half and burns out his arms or goes for a submission, and it doesn't work because Volk has no knack and you can't submit him. Like, who's to say that that fight couldn't have gone a different way or couldn't go a different way? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what the... There's just a lot of unknowns about Taporia, but on the surface, though, he just seems like so, so well-rounded. For sure. All right. Um, Ian Gary's performance, skillful or boring? Um, I'll let you go ahead and take that one first. All right. I'm going with boring. I would and agree. I'd say boring. I would have gave him skillful if he didn't take the third round off, right? If he fought round three like he did in rounds one and two, skill, skillful performance. When you run away for all of round three to get the dub for the decision win, you're boring. Dude, you, you had all the tools. You weren't in that much danger ever in rounds one and two. Just finish off the fight strong, and you'd probably start turning people around on, on you a little bit. I mean, I think he is somewhat. I think the hate is slightly starting to die down. I think him kind of not really leaning into it, but just kind of accepting it and saying, like, I'm 26, I'm living my best life, like, I'm doing what I love to do, and you guys can sit there and, and cheer or boo me. I don't give a fuck. So I, I think that's the right attitude to have for him. I'm not yeah. completely around on him, but I think he's, I think he's making, uh, making better moves than he did initially when, when this all went down. Yeah, I mean, I still hate him. I think, it was, yeah, I think he's boring, too. I think more of his Neil, how he, the Neil Magny fight was just a, a perfect example of it. Like, he doesn't go after guys until he has to, and, yeah, that's, I mean – what is he up to number six or seven rank? So he's going to eventually have to fight somebody. He should have, he has the ability to finish anybody he fights, but he never goes for the kill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's been booed in his last few because they've all been decisions. Yeah. Because no one likes him, but yeah, but even, I mean, won, that was before the one, this was the first one he's fought since the he's whole thing. one war, like one great fight away from people turning around being like, okay, I don't like him, but he's, he's a great fighter. Yeah, I agree. And right now people, he's giving people an out by running away. It's like, okay, he ran again. He ran again. So, yeah, I, I think people I think it's boring. And plus, all, a lot of his hype coming in, like, yeah, I would say uh, he needs he needs a good he needs a good war. He needs yeah. to show people he's a warrior out there. Um, let's see. Marab getting the next title shot. I think was that already promised to him or is that I don't think it was promised, but it seemed like Dana was on board after the fight. Things worked out for Marab. Um, he waited for if he gets the title fight, he waited for sterling to be done with the belt and he waited his turn and seemed like a stupid move it probably was a stupid move but he made this fight look easy so yeah but dana is still holding a grudge against marab for not fighting aljo he was like in the post-fight press conference he's like you know we don't like when they do that so he's like he's not over it by any means (laughs) but it seems like marab is is clearly the next guy i mean Corey sandhagen's in there umar Nurmagomedov is in there but i mean if you need a next fight it has to be marab right now yeah, I agree with that. Um, I heard something early in the week that Triple C said he was going to retire if he lost. Yeah, and apparently, did you see this? They Dana said they wasn't going to get, or somebody would refuse to give him the mic. So he was, Marab gave a speech. Sohudo was in the octagon taking waiting. off his gloves 
and asked for the microphone, and they said no. And uh, Dana in the post, he's like, this was Marab's time. This wasn't Cejudo's time. Cejudo already had his time the first time he retired. Like, <laughs> he, he just shit on him. So he was like, we weren't going to give him any airtime. But dude was about to retire for the second time and probably real, really retire this time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, they just shut it down. They're like, you but, already retired once. You only get one. But do you remember how pissed Dana was the first time that oh, well, the, retired? It was a huge mistake. I mean, it was clearly a retirement as a negotiating tactic and he had no leverage dude so what like you gotta have leverage i mean he was kind of a getting to be a draw at that time but he wasn't somebody that that would be a needle mover for the ufc if if he just actually retired so and it was during the pandemic towards the start of it they were fighting in empty arenas it was just bad timing um and i think a tactical error and Henry Cejudo's career, and he'll never get back there. <laughs> it was a cringy move by the king of cringe. Yeah. Cringy and stupid. All right, Volkanovski coming back. Two losses in four months. I think I think it's obvious what he should do, but is there any other options for him? Like, what's the best plan for him? Like, what do you think going forward? Like, how many fights does he have left? What, sh- what should his game plan be to, like, end his career at the top? He needs to get the chin under control, right? That's that is that should be his only concern right now. I need to stop getting knocked out. And to do that, it takes time. You know, he cannot fight an immediate rematch in 4 months uh with his chin the way it is. I I think I think that's a shot that he absorbs and it maybe gets dropped but does not get knocked out cold for a minute or two after in mm-hmm. previous fights. So, he's been knocked out bad twice in a row now. He needs to take time. Once he takes that time, I, I think he could be back. I think he could maybe even touch UFC gold again. It's just a matter of some guys, their chin gets checked, and they're never the same. Some guys, they take a year off, and they're good again, you know? Yeah, he's got to plan it perfect. Like, wh- wh- realistically, though, even if he does get back and touch the belt, like get the belt back, like, what do you think he has three fights left? Yeah, I, I don't think he'll hold it up for very long if he does, but... Maybe he wins one fight. Maybe he doesn't get the rematch. He probably should get the rematch. Like he's probably earned at least one rematch. Yeah, he has. I mean, people have been getting given immediate rematches for less, right? So if you lose your next rematch, you fight one or two more times, like maybe one more time for a title eliminator or something, and then if that doesn't work, you retire, or if you win the eliminator, you fight again. Like I think, realistically, maybe three fights left. Yeah, I mean... He should be set for life at this point with the amount of title defenses he has. And they, he said he got an absolute bag. It set his family up for generations for the Makachev fight. So, you know, you could say it was a mistake that it, it's changed his career. But if it if the amount of money he got for it changed his, the rest of his life, then it is what it is, you know. And he got a new contract out of it, so he probably got paid more for this fight too. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, there's... I know he doesn't like to take time off, but I think he has to. I mean, eventually he's just going to have to be retired. Like he's going to have to just yeah. get into coaching or something. Yeah, if if you don't want to take time off right now and you go out there get influence and get knocked out, like you're probably taking the rest of your life off because you're not fighting anymore, right? Yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah, he needs to be strategic in his next move. Um, Costa, next. speaking of next moves, Costa, next move after um, losing to Whitaker. Yeah, besides, uh, you can read the rest of it if you want. Besides getting another round of hair transplants and drinking secret juice like it's water. Yeah, two things I noticed about him. Number one, he looks huge, bigger than ever. Definitely not a manlet. Number two, 
No, definitely. The hair transplants are taking in the front, but they're not working in the back of his of his Yeah, hair. and they're th- very thin. It's like he's not doing enough rows or seatings of it. Like, yeah. I don't know. And maybe he's just one of those guys they don't take for, you know, because yeah. you would think he'd be, if I was him, I'd be plugging hair in that head, like, every single day if I could. <laughs> yeah. But um, it just, uh, it gets a little better. It doesn't last, like, I don't know. It's probably hard to be to get hair transplants and have them stay when you're grappling and shit every day. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's just something you wait to after you're tired to do. He definitely went for the long hair look though. Yeah. I mean, it looks fine when it's styled. And then as soon as he starts sweating and stuff, it starts getting messy. And then you're like, holy shit, he's half bald. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was getting really bad before. So at least he's, I mean, at least it worked a little bit, but yeah, not like we've seen with other guys. Like Marab's a perfect example. He got all his hair back. Right. And then uh, like sometimes these guys aren't getting transplants. So they just have chose to be bald for a really long time and have been able to grow hair the whole time. But none of us have known. And then, yeah, like I got a theory, Brian Erlacher in Chicago, he has all those billboards about that hair transplant thing. He was just, I think he was just shaving his head the entire time. And then some hair company found out that he actually was just shaving his head and actually could grow hair. And they're like, be our spokesperson because now you got a full head of hair. Surprisingly, there's quite a few of those. Yeah. Or like John Jones shaves his head before every fight, but he can grow hair. Remember when Jacare came out with the afro? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think he could grow hair. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Uh, John Anik is apparently bald by choice. Yeah, he, yep. And his brother has like a ponytail. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Stoner Anik. Stoner John Anik. <laughs> yeah. His, his Man, evil, these it, corn nuts are pretty good, John. His evil twin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. After the fight, we had instantly the only thing anyone talked about was if Sean O'Malley was going to go up and fight uh, for double belts. Uh, what was the other? Um, basically, instead of talking about who Tapori was going to fight next at the 145, everyone was talking about Sean O'Malley going up and fighting for double belts. Like the trend of uh, the obsession with double belts. Plus, we had Makachev possibly fighting for a double belt with. Uh, yeah, he Leon. said he wanted to move up too. Yeah. after his last fight, so there seems yeah like there seems to be a trend of a double belt obsession. Fu- yeah, double belt obsession, and I just was wondering, um, especially with these champions, relatively new champions that have tons of fresh matchups for them in their division, what is the motivation for so many of these guys wanting to move up to fight for a second belt in a weight class above? Um, before they've really dominated their division, what do you what do you think? Could it be that they are guaranteed two two title fights? Then that, dude, this is my exact thing. I have a whole thing on it. Like, it's and I consp- think it's I think it's genius. So, I think fighters really want to fight up as a hedge against losing their belt. Right? It's well known the only way to make life changing money in the UFC is to be a champ and to get pay per view points. Right? Like, it's drastic amount difference of that what you get as a top-end fighter making like 500k to show or something compared to what you make as a champ probably around a million plus pay-per-view points could be millions more um that's well known so uh you know you lose that belt you lose the pay-per-view points so when you become champion you get the pay-per-view points o'malley fighting taporia next guarantees him a title fight with pay-per-view points without having to risk his 135 title. And I, I think this comes into play. Maybe he's scared of Marab. Maybe he thinks, you know, he's got one fight left. Then this, go up a fight to Poirier, win or lose, he gets another one. That's two title fights with pay-per-view points. Um, you know, worst case scenario, he gets beat by Taporia, gets paid pay-per-view points for a title fight, then goes back to 135 for his next title fight. Uh, we're will get pay-per-view points for that fight as well. If O'Malley 
thinks Murab beat, will beat him, it makes perfect sense to uh, hit up Taporia for some pay-per-view points first before you fight Murab. Yeah, it's just a safe, it's a safe run. And also, if you do win that t- second belt, then you have two belts, and yeah. it's uh, your... Now you're in legendary status, yeah, right? Yeah, you're in legend status, and you didn't even... I mean, I think, I think some of these guys are more aware, too. Like, every fight takes something out of them. Where like for sure. You want to be the freshest, best version of yourself when you go fight for that second belt. And maybe that maybe that's a factor too, but I th- I think financially it just makes the most sense to Yeah, I mean you get it you have this rare, extremely rare opportunity to take a shot at like, yeah, putting yourself in like the legendary status. But it does seem like the obsession with it has gotten just like I think it's more to do with the freebie and less to do with like I think it started off like what McGregor did, it was like to be a double champ, like that's something that not many people have done. And I think now maybe managers and business side has realized like, Hey, this is an extra, extra payday with Look at all the extra money. Uh, Volkanovsky made for two losses. Yeah, for sure. And then got to come back and fight once more for pay-per-view points. Yeah. Lost, but yeah, no, I think, I think as much as anything, but I, I also see a lot of casual fans that are like, Oh, he should fight for the second bell. Like, cause it's also, is like, it is still is like a rare, there's only been a handful of them. So, it's, and it's something that the promotion gets to use to like two belt, you know, this guy's going for two belts, two belts in line or whatever. So it makes the fight bigger, the card bigger on top of it. So, and a lot of times that's more pay-per-view sales you get from going up because it it brings more hype to the card. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that fight makes sense? Like, do you think O'Malley's big for, I think it makes sense. I mean, I don't think it makes sense as in both O'Malley and Taporia have a bunch of people to fight in their own division right now. But as far as a matchup, I think that's a great matchup and I would love to see it. I mean, O'Malley's probably going to be bigger than Taporia in there yeah. as far as, like, uh, height and reach. And, and he's not – dude, he looks thick in there now. He used to be a little skinny guy. He looks big. Yeah, it's amazing he can make 135. Yeah, it's crazy because he's, like he's, – his chest and stuff has filled out quite a bit yeah, since what muscular. it used to be. He's muscular. Yeah, and it's – yeah, it does make sense. And he's it, got the counter – like, what do you got to do to beat Taporia? Not let him corner you. He's got, like, those teep kicks and whatnot that can – and the length to try to keep Tapori on the outside as long as possible. Like, I think that is a great matchup. I don't know which way it goes quite yet, but I'd like to see it. Yeah, and again, head kicks and quick movements are what can get Tapori Um Yeah, and I, do you think probably by the end of his career, even, like, the last quarter of his career, O'Malley probably will move up anyways? Like, yeah. He's not going to go for 135 forever. Yeah, I think he'll have to. He's just – he is a big – I mean, he could go – he could be a tall 155er, and he's right. fighting he 20 pounds weight, lighter. If he started squatting, putting muscle on his legs and stuff, he could easily fight up to 145, Yeah, he doesn't have the same issues a lot of guys have when they move up, which is height and reach. Yeah, so. take some time, put on that extra muscle before you do it, and I think you could do well at 145, and who knows, maybe even 155. Yeah, I mean, there's fights he'd definitely win at 155 now. I didn't mean maybe not top 10, but yeah, there's guys he could beat. And he has the precision yeah. and accuracy. That, that helps a lot. I think his power would carry, too. So, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, yeah, um, yeah, we can move on, though. We got a preview this week. Uh, what we is got this? A, we got a good main and co-main, and then uh, maybe the absolute... Worst card after that. Is this card in Mexico? Is this card in Mexico? Or oh, is, is this the Mexico one? I heard they were going to Mexico soon. Or is this a? Uh, I have no idea. Let me see. Or did they just put Mexicans on the card. I think I know they were doing Mexico soon, aren't they? They do that sometimes. Let's see. I just know it's. it's please there don't it say is. Apex. View the card. Yeah, Arena CDMX Mexico. Oh, Mexico. yeah, Mexico City. 
All right, so we ha- we're on the road. This is going to look like a pay per view. Yeah, this will be sick. It's going to look good. This is going to look really good. The fans are going to be super hyped. Last time they started throwing shit at Jeremy Stevens for poking Yair in the Dude, eye. This is a pretty bad card for having not being at the apex, though. I, but are they all Mexican? Is that why? Yeah, probably. But still, there's they're still missing some. I mean, it's pretty weak. Besides, I, it's got a don't get me wrong, amazing for a fight night, a great main event and a great co-main event. From there, it pretty much falls off. But yeah, I mean, I don't hate this because then I just don't have to tune in for the prelims. But yeah, right. <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm missing Something much. Do but, that, but now I got to I got to start making a point to watch every single fight again because it when you find that guy on the prelims that nobody yeah. really knows about and you're like, all right, this guy has it. Like that, you can ride that guy at for least two, like three five fights. fights. Yeah. yeah, we uh, yeah the. The league is just getting too sharp, dude. We got to start doing our homework again. Oh, yeah. I just went with two underdogs thinking it was because it was my birthday. I would have birthday <laughs> luck, and I lost both. So Yeah, I went with Kapilov. I went one and two. I've gone one and two every single week. Yeah. Lamos this is my and, first 0 and two. I haven't gone 0 and two in a long time, but one and two is not great at this point either. So, um, yeah, main event here, Brandon Moreno, former champ. Minus 290 versus Brandon Royval, the raw dog Royval, plus 235. Royval coming off a title loss back in December. Turned around quickly. Um, wild man kind of gets exposed, kind of been exposed. I think um, Pantoja kind of exposed him a little bit. Him yeah. and Moreno have already fought once, but I believe it got stopped because uh, Royval's shoulder popped out. Yeah, oh, that was the Moreno fight? I think so. Um, I believe so, unless that was the first. No, Pantoja submitted Moreno or Royval and then decisioned him and then moreno i think it's his shoulder popped out um correct me if i'm wrong on that but either way um fans of brandon royval around here great fighter fun guy to watch wild man but this is a used to work at the 7-eleven this is a tough fight i just think moreno has looked as good i mean suit razor close loss to pantoja in, uh, last year but says so tko win for brandon moreno via punches so hmm I don't know. Did his shoulder pop out and they, and then he punched him and they stopped it? I'm not sure. Interesting. Um, Moreno was supposed to fight Amir Albazi, but Albazi pulled out and then Roy Val said, I'll, I'll fight him and stepped in. Yeah, I don't know when. Don't I'm know. trying to look to see if it says anything about like losing by. Oh, yeah, that was Jerome Rivera, TKO arm injury. Oh, no, he won by arm injury in LFA. Um, so yeah, it could have been that one. They don't have anything here about I'm which one it was. Pretty sure because I was at a wedding. Was that the main event where it was? Uh, let me see here. But I mean, anyways, I'd say I like Brandon Moreno in this fight. That's who I'm going with. Brandon Royval, super exciting, super fun fighter, very skilled fighter as well. Um, just like you said, the wild man. He's just a little too wild for his own good. He needs to rein it in a little bit, and he can't go too far. End up in um. You know what's his name situation? Um, who's the goofy light heavyweight? Why why can't I think of his name right now? Um, trains at SBG. Light heavyweight that trains in Ireland. Yeah, the Brazilian. Oh, Johnny Walker. Yeah, can't go full Johnny Walker. Go from absolutely crazy, unpredictable to like point fighter. Yeah. But Johnny Walker's fixed that now. But he he needs to tone it down a little bit. Smart a little fight or fight a little smarter because. When he goes against a guy that's as skilled as Moreno or Pantoja, they're able to exploit that wildness into victories for themselves. So I like Moreno here. I don't love the line, but... Yeah, line's yeah. a little steep. Um, yeah, Just because also being a wild man can get you a win when you shouldn't get one, too. So 
Yeah, and Moreno, he's been super solid up to this point, but who knows when Hinchin's going to crack, too. Like, he's been... Still relatively young, though. Yeah, but he's been in some wars, man. All those wars... Still plays with Legos. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's a dork. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Roy Vell's due for a win, though. I mean, the guy just takes every fight. You never, Like you said, you never know when he's going to land a wild one. So, Uh, then we got Brian Ortega... Plus 136 against Yair Rodriguez, minus 162. Speaking of shoulders popping out, these guys already fought once, and Brian Ortega's shoulders separated. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, I, I Yair, can't really remember how was the fight going up until that point because it happened early. It happened Yair was time. legitimately trying to like put him in an armbar. So yeah, oh yeah. It was like he kind of like he may not have actually cinched up an armbar, but he put pressure on that joint. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going Yair Rodriguez again here. I just think he's the more skilled fighter. I mean, Brian Ortega, I think there's going to be some ring wrestling. When's the last time we saw Brian Ortega? I think it was when that shoulder popped out. He does not fight often. Yeah, his last fight was against Yair. That was 2022. He fought in 2021, 2020, and then 2018. So, yeah, he's been fighting once a year, two years before that. So he's he's been on the couch quite a bit. Um, he had yeah. a suspension too, PED suspension. I think that's why he didn't fight from 2018 to 2020. Yeah, and I mean, on the other hand, Yair Rodriguez, although he lost to Volkanovski in his last fight, he's been he's been looking as good as ever. Like Josh Emmett fight, he fought submitted fantastic, him. submitted him. Um, yeah, and before that, Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, he hasn't fought a lot either. But I just think I think Yair Rodriguez is is in that time for him where I think unless. It's the best of the best he's going to win. I think he's up there with the best of the best. I, yeah. I like I mean, his odds in this one. Standing, standing up, he's going to crush Ortega. And as long as he doesn't fall into any Ortega's traps. Ortega basically has two traps. He has a guillotine and a triangle. And that's always pretty much going for the whole fight. Yeah, I mean, and uh, yeah, your Rodriguez isn't too bad on the ground either. So He's definitely improved too, yeah. So that's, yeah, I like Yair here quite a bit. I'm actually... I actually don't hate this line at all. One minus one sixty two. I thought it'd be a little wider. I liked how he came on. He was on the MMA hour last week, and he, he came with some heat. Usually, he seems like a nice guy, but he does Chill not. Dude. He does not like um, Taporia either. He was talking shit about. Oh him. yeah, they have some beef. I don't remember what it is, but maybe it's just a good angle for him because they're definitely. So yeah. All right, this is where the card drops off a whole bunch. We got Raul Rosas Jr. minus two thirty against Ricky Tercios plus one ninety. Um, yeah, uh, Roses Jr. had like a sick knockout on his last fight, right? Yeah, but they, he lost the fight before that. Yeah, I'm going with Ricky Tercios just because I wanted to take an underdog play here. Yeah, he's a dog, um, dude. He goes after He's it. a dog. I looked up his takedown defense average is not great, but I don't know if maybe it was just one fight or something against a good wrestler, but um, I'd have to look into that a little bit more. But Ricky Tercios, he's a wild man. He's a dog. Robert Roses Jr., he's very young, very green. Um, he seems to be getting better, but uh, I don't think his takedowns are great. His jiu-jitsu is great, and his striking is not great. So uh, I think a guy like Ricky Tercios, if he lands a few good shots on him earlier, that can kind of shut down Robbie Roses Jr. So I like Tercios as an underdog here, and maybe stupid, but... <laughs> I don't hate it. I've also been betting strategically against Robbie Roses just because there's just something about a 20- or 18-year-old being in the... At some point, it's going to catch up with you. It already caught up with him once. And then they got it. They've just been feeding him cans, though. Yeah. Tercios isn't a can. Yeah, for sure. If you beat him, then if you beat him, that's impressive. Yeah, he's got. He's not a can. He's got holes that Raul yeah, Rose Jr. I mean, may be able to exploit. Probably, but he's probably pretty young too. He at least looks like he is. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So then we got Christian Quinones, 
plus 154 versus Rione Barcelos, minus 185. Are you going to ride Rione Barcelos for one more time? I'm going to ride him straight into the ground, man. <laughs> I'm going Rione Barcelos here. One last ride? One last ride. Yeah, I'll go Rione here. I mean, uh, he's fought quite a bit higher competition than Christian Quinones here, so um, I don't. he's got all the skills, right? He sometimes lacks volume, but when he puts it together, he really does well. Um, I think it's his fight to lose, so... All right, there you go. Any other fights on this card that you wanted to cover before we wrap it up? No, I think that's it. Just wanted, This is a warning, public service announcement. Just expect every fight night from here until after 300 to be trash. absolutely trash. I mean, they took every fight that would be a headliner or something for one of these cards and put them on 299 and 300. You are not going to be seeing... <laughs> very good well-known fighters on on any of these fight nights because they they're all on the pay-per-views because they they stack 300 with like every single fight could probably headline a fight night so i guess maybe use it as your chance to make some good bets some yeah. guys that maybe people don't know about i don't know I'm trying to turn a negative into a positive but yeah it's been it's been tough it's only gonna get tougher so all right then we can wrap things up so we'll be back next week to recap Good luck on your picks. Enjoy the fights, and we'll see you all next week. Peace. Try that. I need a 